0: Hello, and welcome to Message in the Middle with Mary Ann. We all know that life is hard, right? It's messy, it's unpredictable, but it can be wonderful all at the same time. My hope is that we can take a deep dive into self-development topics and explore life's lessons through book clubs, conversations, and interviews, and together we can uncover the lessons that others have already learned to help us navigate this crazy, wonderful ride called life. Hello, and welcome to Message in the Middle. I'm your host, Marianne, and for those of you that have been with me since the beginning of my podcast journey, you may remember today's guest, Katrina McGee. Katrina is a career break and sabbatical expert. She's an author, a speaker, and a certified master coach with an MBA. Katrina's work was inspired by her own 20-month career break, where she saved $40,000 in just 18 months to quit her corporate job and travel the world. As an authority in her field, Katrina developed the Break Blueprint, a guiding framework she's used to help over 70 clients rejuvenate their lives by taking a career break to travel the world, launch a business, change careers, and much more. Katrina's work as a career break expert and travel nomad has been featured in publications such as Forbes, Smarter Travel, Thrive Global, and Yahoo. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me. Hi again, Marianne. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to have you here. So, truth be known, guys, we just were chatting up a storm for like, I don't know, 30 minutes, but we decided to start recording so you could hear all the good stuff. So... I'm definitely interested to talk about your career break work and the clients and what you've been doing on in that space. But there's something I want to hit on first. So let me set the stage for those that aren't following the work you've been doing. For those that don't know the details, Katrina wrote Taking a Career Break for Dummies this past year, and it's getting lots of accolades. And we can touch on the book itself, but what I want to know is how you continue to show up and say yes for things you're not sure you can accomplish because you're very transparent and you let people that follow you know that things are scary or out of your comfort zone. But you say yes, you keep showing up and you keep saying yes. And I want to talk about that. How do you do that?
1: Thank you for that. Sometimes I wonder if I share too much online. So I appreciate that confirmation that it's helpful, at least helpful. at least partly, yeah, or at least entertaining. But um, that's a really great question. And I wish I had a simple answer. I mean, I do have a simple answer, but it's not easy, right? It's not easy. At the end of the day, I'm wired in those moments of fear. Number one, I recognize sensations like scared-sighted. So being equally afraid and excited, I now know after living the life I've lived many times over that that's a good feeling. That means that you're on the verge of growth in a way that's aligned with what you want to create more of in your life, but it's also beyond your comfort zone, right? So the beyond comfort zone, I don't know what I'm doing. That's the terror. That's the fear but then the like oh my gosh but it's headed in a direction i would really like to go it's it's like moving towards a bigger vision i have for my life or even just like really exciting to me right so that's that excitement and so i know when i have those together and it's not just terror that there's something there so even just recognizing that that feeling means there's something good ahead if i decide to find the courage to go for it is really helpful but the other big thing is honestly imagining my life i imagine saying no And where does that lead? And then I imagine saying yes. And ultimately, it's really hard. I don't want to be a person that regrets the things I didn't do. So I take that very seriously. I'm not perfect at it. But when I get offered something really exciting, my first response is like, oh, my gosh. And then it's immediately (laughs) followed by, no way, I can never do that. And it's like all at the same time. And I just have to take a moment, right? Sometimes a moment is like a day or two yeah. and just really sit with, what does my life look like if I say yes? And if I say no, what does it look like? And I usually don't want to return to the life I would have if I said no. And so I say yes. And so this book deal came and I did not know that I could do it. I had a lot of reservations. I ask a lot of questions. That's another key piece is when you have fears and concerns, and I teach this with my clients as well. Writing them down, getting clear on what they are, and then finding a resource or resources to help you answer some of the questions will help you alleviate like half of your fears right off the bat. So, when I was solicited via email, she offered a call and was like, Hey, would you like to write this book? If you're interested in the idea, we can talk more about what it entails. And so, I put together a list of questions, i.e., concerns and fears. And then we had like a one hour chat where I went through all of those questions and I felt a lot better at the end of that call, at least having a better understanding of what would be expected of me. I still, of course, doubted that I could do it. But you just take it one step at a time, right? If everything is like a 25,000-step process, you're not responsible for taking 25,000 steps tomorrow. You're responsible for taking one.
0: God, there was so much in there I want to unpack. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, taking one step at a time, that's a lesson I learned so early on in my career because so often whether it's something like this or it's a huge project or it's whatever renovating your house it can be anything sometimes it can feel so overwhelming and you just have to take a step back and go what's the next step just one next step and get past that next step and you're good so i can totally relate to that before i go on let me say kudos 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 i can't even imagine getting the email and somebody saying hey do you want to write a book about and I mean, that's just such a big deal in itself. So, congratulations there. I think that for many, we don't remember how to step back and imagine. So, you said you imagine the yes and you imagine the no. And I'm looking up there on my vision board this year, and it says there's a big, huge thing in the middle of it. It says, Dare to Dream. And one of the things I talked about with my community is somewhere along the line, I lost my ability to sort of dream i think i got so stuck in the pragmatic day to day got to do got to build you you know all the things you stepped away from yeah and i think that happens to us so i think it's a fantastic message to remind people to just stop for a minute and just picture really picture what what does this look like if i say yes and what does it look like if i say no and I don't think we always think about it like that. So that's a really great message for people. And that's one of my focus things this year is to just let myself dream and not get caught up in all the steps that might stop me. Mm -hmm. But instead, what could it look like? You And I think that's a good message.
1: Yeah, you are so... Right on that. And actually just to validate that, I see that so often with my high achieving corporate clients that have been working jobs, right? And like, yeah, living that life. because
0: Guys feel seen because it's you too.
1: (laughs) But it's, but it's like how your brain has been programmed. And it's like, dreaming is not, you know, we tell ourselves dreaming is not purposeful. It's like, we need to be practical, efficient let's make this simpler. Let's make this more cost effective. Let's make this faster. So it's like training your brain to only go in one direction and completely disregarding the value yeah. In expansion. It's like, we're always narrowing in on like, how do I just get this across the finish line? So that's very normal. And what I would offer to anyone listening that feels, if you feel like you're struggling with that too, you know, for me, one of the most important things to really reimmerse myself in the world of dreams is borrowing other people's dreams, whether that's List, reading fiction, reading nonfiction, memoirs, podcasts, talking to people who've lived extraordinary lives or done really interesting things. There's just so much for me that came from watching or reading about or listening to other people who have lived extraordinary lives to expand my thinking on what I could ask of myself and of the universe for this life that I have, this one precious life. And so that was a really helpful step for me when I was in a similar place of not really being connected to some of my big dreams or even really feeling like I knew what dreaming was anymore.
0: I love that. I love that and use those things to get inspired again. Yeah, because I do think, especially as we get to our middle age, if we haven't figured that out yet, I do think we can forget how. So good reminder. All right, let's circle back to your core focus, your core message and talk about taking a break. So I think I asked you this on the first time that we have the conversation. But I'm going to ask again, I assume, and yes, it's an assumption, and I know we shouldn't assume, but I assume that a lot of the feedback you get is, well, I would love to, but I don't think I can. Is that a valid assumption? And and how do you push people past that?
1: Yes, and some people say it nicely, like you did. And some people say, oh, I could never do that. I'm not 20 years old. Or I'm a, I am actually had this happen at a Christmas party recently. The person was like a lawyer. And they were. I have better, I have high travel standards. I could not afford to be on a break and travel the way that, you know, like budget travelers do. And it's like, whoa, talk about a lot of misconceptions.
0: <laughs> okay, that's snobby. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But it's so, but it's so common. And so to your point, I hear that all the time. I don't, it's not the only thing I hear. There are people that are one step beyond that where they're like, I'm so afraid and I don't know how, but I really know I want it or I really know I need yeah. it or my body needs it or my spirit needs it. But definitely there are fears attached. And so what I say to someone that is coming from a place of, I would really love to, but either I can't, right? Or I never I, I can't imagine that I ever could. I don't know how, like that would even be possible. Get clear on what big fears are driving that thinking, right, is number one. Again, the clarity, the understanding. Usually it's one of three or four big fears. It could be a combination. It's a fear of money, right? So I couldn't afford it. Sometimes people actually have the money. They just don't know how to give themselves permission to invest in their well being in this way. They'll buy material mm. things and they'll invest in their education, but yeah. they won't invest in giving themselves time to enjoy their life and to focus on their well being. Another big fear is your career. So, am I going to sabotage this thing I've sacrificed so many years of my life for? I've worked so hard for. And I understand that fear. I had that same fear. The answer is. No, absolutely not. We can talk more about that, but that's a no. But understand what that fear is. Another big one is the perception. Will people view me as irresponsible? Will people think that I can't hack it? Will people think that I'm incapable? And so really, really owning that the fear of how other people are going to perceive this decision is one of the biggest limiting beliefs and, and fears I see. And so just owning that as well, right? So, okay this feels really real. And do I want to be a person whose life trajectory is determined by my presumed thoughts about what other humans who are not me think about my choices, right?
0: Yeah. I love that because I do think uh, that last one I would have never predicted, but it's so it's so true. What will people think? We tend to lean towards what will people think? And getting to the point where you don't worry about that is such a huge thing. It, it really sets you free. So great feedback. I want to just kind of elaborate on what if there are scenarios, so I think about the single mom, I think about the widow, or somebody who really is the sole financial provider, let's say, and maybe they really can't take a break, because I have to think there is a population that really couldn't do it for multiple reasons, maybe they're taking care of a sick person, whatever, there's probably some reasons. But I also think that a lot of the things you teach and talk about and guide your clients with can be applicable to a non-career break. So meaning just step out of your every day, take a, a break, and I'm using air quotes, you guys, but take a break from whatever it is that's really weighing you down and somehow shift your life. Is that an accurate statement, do you think? Can it be applied that way?
1: Yes, it can be applied. And first, I just wanna say, I concede, there are definitely seasons of your life and situations where you really could not take a full-on career break or extended leave of absence. But I also want to clarify, so I have worked with single moms, right? And other people. So so just to know that like just because you're in that category doesn't automatically rule it out. Fair. So just, if you're hearing this, I just want to make sure somebody listening to this is like, see, I can't do it because I'm a single mom.
0: <laughs> no, that's fair. But
1: to your point, for sure, there are there, I mean I had seasons where I couldn't do this. I wanted to do this in the middle of business school. And I was like, if I don't finish business school, I'll never get into another business school. And I will have lost all the money and be still in debt and like have no degree. So it just didn't make mathematical sense. But what's true, right, is that you can still find ways to reclaim your time in smaller doses. But also what I teach people at the end of the day, we always start here. It doesn't matter if you want to take a break and you don't think you can, if you hire me at that point. If you hire me at the point where you've decided you're going to take a break, but you have no idea what to do. If you've just started your break and you hire me, or if you're at the end of your break, I start every person on that whole spectrum in the same place, which is defining a purpose statement and the themes of their break. Sometimes retrospectively, if they're at the end of their break and then prospectively, if they haven't taken one yet, but I'm always trying to get clear on what was the why or what is the why? And what was this really about? I believe in intentional living. I think when you set an understanding of what it is you want to accomplish, but also create meaning with what you've experienced, you're able to articulate it to yourself for immense clarity. And you're also able to articulate it to other people for things like finding a new job or trying to gain advocates with people that support you and cheer you on and want to, you know, usher you into a new level of success. So I think that something as simple as understanding what is my sort of vision for this next season of my life. What is the purpose statement for that vision? Why does that matter? Why is this thing that is looming in front of me that I want so badly? Why is it important or what is it about? And then, you know, themes. I like to have my clients develop four themes. You don't have to have four themes, but just understanding what are some core essences that I need to focus on to bring this goal to life? Is it how I'm being? Is it self-care? Is it courage, right? So depending, you know, if it's not a break specifically, it's just like, who do I need to be to accomplish this goal or to pursue, even pursue this goal? That is absolutely critical, right? To, to I believe, living a life that feels good. You've got to really know how you want to feel and yeah. what you want to experience so that you can work towards the right goal, And create that true success instead of defaulting to what everyone else around you is doing and thinking that that is
0: success. When you started talking about that, my mind immediately went to trying to define it being a challenge because we forget, we forget how to dream, but we also forget what we really wanted out of our lives. And so I'm curious how often you run into these high achieving people that just sort of don't even know where to start they know they need a break. They're feeling overwhelmed, disconnected, resentful, all the things, but they don't even know what, what it is they would want. Does that happen?
1: It's described 100% of my clients, maybe 99%. <laughs> I'll be fair. Maybe 90, probably like 99%. No, actually it is really hard. It's so simple, but it's not easy. I have four or five questions that I will ask every client When they come in so that I can help them develop their purpose statement and themes because articulating the purpose and the themes is so simple, but nearly impossible for them. And quite honestly, some of my clients will take a stab at it on their own and they might get 75% of the way there, but I think there's something about the way that my brain is wired Um, The coaching I experienced as a client back in 2011 for 14 months, the coaching I've done as a coach, the seven years of coaching, you know, investing in the certifications and things, um, and then just maybe a natural talent and love of words. I started talking at five and a half months old, so I think secretly, like, words are my passion, Um, but... I believe it's a gift, right? We talk about zone of genius for me to be able to help people articulate. But I need you to answer those five questions to give me the raw yeah. data to pull from. But I'm always really, um, you know, I'm always really showing up to help co-create that because it is hard to be clear. So I think instead of trying to create a purpose statement out of thin air, yeah, it's important to ask yourself questions like, what would make this fill in the blank goal achieving this goal worthwhile how do I want my life to be once I've achieved this thing or had this thing or experienced this thing? And what do I not want in my life? Right? Asking those kinds of questions, it's easier to draw up some of the dots you need to connect for the purpose statement and the themes versus just trying to pull it out of thin air. Because to your point, I don't think many of us are good at that, just sort of like it's not a skill we're
0: practicing. And then I imagine it's a refinement process, right? Because you're not going to get it right, quote unquote, right. There is no right. But I think even when you look back at what you write, I imagine that you look at it and you're like, yeah, I don't know, this isn't quite it. But I'm guessing you start to pull out bits and pieces that feel like the essence of what you're trying to get across. And then you kind of just string that together. Right? Is that that the process is an ongoing refinement?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an ongoing refinement. I would say this is going to sound silly, but it's so true. I sometimes get divine downloads in my sessions with clients where they've just given such great raw data. It's like my brain just runs a supercomputer and it's like, oh, I know their purpose statement and I will tell them. I love that. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, you just articulated that so well. And then they might massage a couple of the words to be more for them because my goal is always to give them a purpose statement that resonates with them, not with me, right? You need to speak it in a way that lights you up and gives you conviction. But a lot of my clients actually like get a they they get a download and that's amazing. I love that. But I just had a client who was straddling the fine line of her spirit talking feeling unclear about things. And then her brain being very active and trying to make it perfect and pretty. And so we did a lot of refinement. Some of it was deep soul soul stuff. And then some of it was more tactical word stuff. But we went, we did a session and then we went back and forth on Marco Polo, I think about six times afterwards. But the moment that she spoke it, I was like, we have a winner. And she went she, <laughs> right? So we did get there. And she, yeah. of course, can massage it more. You can always massage it more. But I find that if you can get the essence of the truth, it usually sticks around from the beginning to the end of your break. I have clients that have gone through the whole entire break, and they're like, my purpose never change. Some people have to delay their break because of unexpected loss or financial situations for a year, year and a half. And when they go to take the break, they're like, I'll be darned, but my purpose statement hasn't changed.
0: Love that. It makes sense to me that it would be the same, that it would stick with them. All right. I want to shift for a second. So part of the all this work and and the break that you took, and then life after the break has been on the back of this nomad living. Yeah. You're out there. You're you don't have a home base, and I know that could change at any time. But you know, for this past you know several years, you've been living that lifestyle to us, to the, the average person who's hearing about it or watching it from afar, it seems so glamorous and it seems so romantic and all the things. And I imagine it is some of that, but I also imagine there's a not so great side of that. So share with us some of that. What, tell us what, what's the best aspects and what's the things that are the hardest to deal with in that. When you're living that lifestyle.
1: The truth is life is always lifing, right? And I love to tell people that. So I think that's really important. And quite honestly, even for my career break clients, I try to explain beforehand, listen, your break could be super fantastic, amazing, and life is still gonna life. So if you're taking six or 12 months off, it doesn't mean that you're immune to dealing with hard things. It's just that you're doing it in a way that's true to who you are and how you wanna show up for life, but you don't control that and don't expect that that it can't touch you. And I think the same is true of being a nomad or living a very travel-centric life. Um, It can feel better, but it doesn't, I I don't have a clause where I get to escape real life. And so I think on the positive side, I have complete freedom over where I go. And quite honestly, my level of freedom is up-leveled to like the 10th degree because my sister um, has very graciously added me as her companion, she works for an airline. And so she's made me her companion because she's not married. And so I get to fly for free or just for taxes and fees if it's an international flight, anywhere this airline goes. So, and I have to fly standby. So I can't even book in advance. So it very much aligns to, I could be down to go anywhere at any time and I don't have to pay for the tickets. And then I'm super obsessed with points and miles. So sometimes I have points and things for hotels. So I can't do everything all the time but I feel very empowered and able to say yes to most things I really want to do. That was always the case with travel. I just think financially many more opportunities have been opened up to me because of those two benefits. But number one, freedom. Number two, I just don't, oh my gosh, this is going to sound so silly, but there's an energetic lightness to not having to worry about the everyday admin of life that drags a lot of people down and makes them feel like they're in a grind. So things like, you know, this is going to sound very silly, but like dusting, you know what I mean? Or even changing sheets. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Like changing sheets, you know, like if you are moving around every week or two weeks or staying in an Airbnb, you know, you're not necessarily like washing all the linens and you're not necessarily like dusting and you're not having to pay, you know, your cable bill or whatever, like every month. And so, or the electric bill. And so there are a lot of admin things in life that I just don't deal with. And I don't know, I feel like there's more ability for me to be present and to just feel a lot lighter and more free, which is kind of cool. Because in the times where I have settled in somewhere and started to get some bills or started to have some regularity, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, all these things I have to think about, I haven't cleaned a house in like, you know, like two years, because I'm always hopping around. And I don't, even if I'm visiting friends, they're not like, you better scrub this toilet before you leave. You know, I just come visit for a week and then I'm gone. Yeah. And so it's like, wow, okay, there's some real life admin stuff I get to completely miss out on. And I think if I was going to do a third one, I mean, there's there genuinely, genuinely are so many, but I think another one is variation creates appreciation. And yes. so I'm able to be hibernating in a really nice, you know, Hyatt Place Hotel in Columbus Ohio, which is really what I was doing this whole weekend just past to recover from being on TV for the first time for an insane amount of travel from having had COVID. Like there are all these things, and I just wanted to be in this cocoon. Right. And so, because I travel and I'm flexible, I can go be in the cocoon. And then, when I decide I want to go spend time with one of my friends, I can just head on down to Florida to go stay with my friend Mandy. And she lets me stay for like two weeks at a time. And I just hang out in Florida and we, you know, I work and we do like fun stuff in the evenings and I make food and I we eat healthy, whatever. I have the ability to dive deep into connection. So I think I have a lot of appreciation for the variation, whether it's climate, geography, landscape, connection, no connection, solo time, not solo time. I'm able to pull a bunch of levers very easily to get what I need, which gives me appreciation for what I, I have and what I just had. And then when it's different, you just appreciate all the things that are different about it. Yeah. Um, and you experience a, a deeper level of connection yes. in this way if you if you choose to lean into that because you can just go spend time with your people whenever you want to, uh, which is really cool. So I would say those are some really big benefits. I'm going to say the drawback, one of the biggest drawbacks for me, I'm going to give you two that I'm struggling with right now. The first one is losing time. It is like a portal of time has has like a vacuum portal of time has opened its door and just time gets sucked out all the time before I even realize what's happening between packing everything, unpacking everything, repacking everything, three hours in the car, five hours in the car, six hours in the car, a day spent traveling, time zone changes, schedule changes, managing around clients and pre-scheduled podcasts that I booked before I knew I was going to be, you know, in Argentina or in California. It's really hard sometimes to find time for my business and to find time for rest and self care the way that I normally would if I had a routine and could automate a lot of this and wasn't wasting so much time with planning a trip, researching hotels, mapping out the route, coordinating the stops. And so there's a lot of time you spend, especially if you're traveling faster, there's a lot of time you spend that just gets lost in the travel logistics
0: that's a really good one
1: yeah it's a big one it's a big one and I would say the other one you know at this point for me is it's sometimes hard to build community have a healthy movement or workout routine and date right to do things that are like roots in the tree going down some of those things help reinforce you and they pour into you they nurture you and travel nurtures me in a different way. But in this season of my life, I've started craving things that I need more stability to experience. And so, you know, like, I believe there are seasons where travel is amazing. And then there are seasons of your life where that's not what you want. And that's okay. But I would say the other drawback is that, you know, when you need those kinds of things, it's really hard to create them if you're
0: moving around all the time. Mm, those are good. That second one, I could imagine the first one I wouldn't have thought of. But it, I, as I think about planning trips, and I actually did an episode on scaling back on my planning, I get it. It sucks So much time, and that was literally the message of my podcast. Was I made a decision to be a little bit more go with the flow and not Mm -hmm. spend as much time planning because it was just such a time suck. So I can imagine when you know you have to really plan your whole life every single week. Where are you going to be? What you're going to be doing? It's a big time suck. I wouldn't have thought about that.
1: Yeah, and and I am very go with the flow, but. I have a budget. And so that creates a yes. layer of, you know, like control, a limitation. Right. So it's like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that the all-star NBA game was happening in Indianapolis. I don't <laughs> but care the about price that. I don't right. follow that. But right. But I was there for TV stuff the week of. And so I had to get out of there by Thursday because yes. all of the hotels suddenly like doubled or tripled in price. And so, you know, even if I am, sometimes I will wing it. Like I didn't know where I was going to go next. And I just figured out what do I feel? What am I going to do? But sometimes the price dictates like adds it. a constraint where it creates more, yeah, it dictates more planning or at least more effort when you're ready to do the the planning and research.
0: Wow, that's a great point. I want to go back to your appreciation on variation. So that actually gives me a great segue into a something I wanted to explore with you. So the question I wanted to ask you was, so I, my eldest child is biracial. So I think you have a biracial background, if I'm correct on that, right? I do. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things when I first met you and, and, you know, came to know your story and about you a little bit, and I couldn't help but wonder this. And as I've watched, and, you know, we've kept in contact a little bit. I can't help but wonder if that had anything to do with this lifestyle of sort of wanting to see the world and experience different things and the appreciation for variation. Because I know very often when there's a biracial background, there's this period of trying to figure out where you belong and what culture fits me and and who am I and all of that. And and I'm just curious if that did tie into or you think that had anything to do with that sort of desire to kind of get out there and see more and experience more and connect with more.
1: That's a great question and you know i think it's probably a mix of the soul i was born with i do feel like i had a very curious adventurous soul that wanted to know and experience life but overlay that with being biracial growing up in west virginia um a town that isn't you know very diverse for sure absolutely but i think beyond that my mom is white and her family was not accepting of my dad or really me or my brother when we were really little that did change which you know is great but I think if you feel like you don't belong in your family like the sort of default place that you're supposed to belong I think it leaves you questioning where you do belong and to your point about wondering like where do I belong what culture do I belong to Those questions for me didn't even enter my psyche until I really understood that I didn't belong everywhere. I think that a lot of that questioning, at least in my experience, is brought about by other people trying to force you to decide or trying to to force you to belong to something or telling you that you don't belong. I actually feel like I was more open. My parents are two different races. It never occurred to me that People would have parents with the same, like that, that would be a requirement. Like, just because when I look, you know, so it's like all the ways my mind was really opened and really just accepting of things until life came in and said, Oh, yeah, no, this isn't okay. People don't accept this. Like, you need to pick one. You need to be this or you need to be that. I don't think that's actually, I think the opposite was true for me as a little like very small kid growing up, but for sure feeling like I didn't belong. Absolutely. I think created this desire to see more of the world. I think it lowers the stakes. Like if you don't belong here, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you travel around the world that you're not going to belong there. Well, that's okay. Right. Whereas other people maybe do feel like they belong or that they have a place of like safety and comfort in that way. And it's like, oh, I'm giving up a lot to go someplace I might not belong, or I might, you know, be a weirdo or seen as different. And then beyond that, you know, For me, it was just this sense of there has to be more out there. Like this little bubble that I'm in doesn't fit me and I'm grateful for many things about it, you know, but it doesn't fit me and it's not big enough for me. And so what is actually out there and can I go find it? And I think that it left me with a lot of questions I wanted to go answer. And I felt very inspired to see what was beyond this, this, this little world that I lived in.
0: So I definitely don't believe in coincidences. And as I hear more and more about your story, there was definitely a reason we became connected. (laughs) Because I can relate to so much of that on so many levels, not just for my daughter, but for myself. Also grown up in a small town, predominantly white. I had no idea that it wouldn't be accepted when I came home with my new boyfriend. (laughs) Same story as your mom. Same story for my daughter. So the world has a way of showing up and bringing us these lessons, I think, that we have to take something from and move forward. And my life's been so much richer from all, all of that happening, but it definitely opens your eyes up and you are right. It's other people that then introduce into you things you didn't even know existed. To your point, I would have never known, why would this be a problem? It didn't even cross my mind that it would be a problem until it was a problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely a formative experience for sure. And I think it's one of those life experiences that you wouldn't wish on someone, but yeah. if if you have it and it's here, the question is like, well, what are you going to do with it? Yes. You can do something useful with it or not. That's your choice. But I just want to live in the world where I I do the best I can for however long I'm here. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, isn't that the message for everything that happens to us, right? I mean, We wouldn't wish most of the hard things on anybody, but they do happen and and hard things happen to good people and Mm -hmm. figuring your way out of them and then how to help other people with those messages. I mean, that is the genesis of my show, right? The messages we all have and that we can share with one another. They're there. We all have them. We've all been through such hard things. That's just life. It's life. Life is lifey. I like that one. I'm going to have to steal that. (laughs) Steal that one. Life is lifey. So, all right, switch gears again. We keep kind of going all over the place, but I do want to go back to your recent, I guess, three segments on live TV what a big deal. So what a big deal. And I know we talked about, we touched on this a little bit just before we started recording, but I think I'm circling back around again, full circle, because it makes me think again, something you never did, something that you you were asked to do, something that scared the crap out of you, but you did it anyway.
1: Yeah. Yes. So I precipitated this one by saying to a friend who had been on TV, hey, I don't know if you'd be into this, but if you ever thought about pitching the idea of career breaks to your producer, that would be super cool. So I planted a seed for that. So I have to like, I have to say I take a little bit, (laughs) I take a little bit of blame on that, but I really didn't know where that would go. And I definitely had no idea it was going to turn into three segments. I thought it would be like one segment, maybe in like five months from now, unlike the book that just literally appeared out of nowhere. And then I have to make this decision, but man, It was like the same thing. She was like, sure, that's awesome. I never thought of that, but thanks for asking. And yeah, I definitely will do it. And then maybe like two months went by and I didn't pressure her. It wasn't like, you know, I was like, she'll do it if she, you know, like whenever the time feels right. She pitched it. The person was like, yes, and then she was like, okay, I've got to connect you by email. She said yes. And I was like, great. And then it was still like another month before she connected us, maybe like three or four weeks. And I was never pressuring because I was like, well, I don't actually know if I could do this. I just, <laughs> I just said it, but I didn't See, know. See, there, there it is uh-huh. again. There it is again. Yeah. And so then, then it happened and she connected us and the ball got rolling. And I just remember thinking, if I say no now...
0: You can't,
1: this might be my only, what if this was my only chance? And I said, yes. no, what does life look like? If I say no, I just have to be at the same scary moment all over again, but like six months down the road, 12 months down the road, or maybe never again, or I can say yes and do a crash course in learning to figure out what I need to know and just trust that like there's some part, I think this is actually, I'm glad you asked this. I think this is like the biggest underlying belief. There's some part of me deep down somewhere that can figure this out. Yes. Because I have figured out every other thing I've ever faced, good and
0: bad. Yes. All the evidence shows that your past history, you will figure it out. Same thing with everybody listening. I'm so glad we circled back though, because I wanted you, that's the part I want to bottle up. I just want to bottle that up from you and sell it, is the ability to stop and say, you know, what does it look like if I say no? What does it look like if I say yes? And knowing, just the knowing that you will figure it out and it'll be fine. Better than fine, probably, but fine.
1: Yeah, it probably will be fine. And I think what I've come to realize in this entrepreneurial journey is that you can't have success without failure. And being a really good employee, I was taught You don't fail, like try really hard not to fail because failing is failing. And so if I'm gonna do something like TV, right? And I think I have the resources somewhere deep down to show up to like at least meet this challenge, my brain would wanna say, yeah, but you could look really stupid doing it. You could fail, people would hate you. Your friend would be mad that she like used her credibility to get you on, the producer could regret that you were on there. People would laugh at you, you would be so embarrassed, right? So it's kind of like the cascade of failing, But when I zoom out, and now that I've been an entrepreneur for seven years, I know that if my goal, if my biggest goal is to avoid failing, there will never be success. That cannot be the goal because failing is learning and failing means trying. And you have to do a lot of trying to get to the wins. And so to your point, it'll probably be fine because a lot of things I try are fine. It probably won't be perfect. It might not even be A (laughs) plus, but it will probably be B minus at least. And what's true though is that even if it's C minus, I did it and I can make it better next time, right?
0: Yes. I had such a great boss early on. And one of the sayings was fail often and fail fast. And it was for the reason you just said is that if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not trying new things, if you're not thinking differently, you're not going to fail but you're not going to do all those things. So do those things, stretch, try new avenues. And it's okay if you fail. Recognize it though, and don't get stuck in it, get, you know, move on and do something different. But I, I always really admired that sentiment coming from a boss, Right to 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 do things, yeah. to try things, and it's okay to fail. So it's a good message. All right. My last one, I want to wrap up with your thoughts on after working with all of these people now and helping people in this space, take breaks, figure out what they want to do when they grow up. What surprises you the most?
1: Mm, I like this question. Nobody has ever asked me this question. I'm going to give you something that has surprised me the most, but there could probably be like three great answers. Um, But I'm going to give you one that, that jumps up at me, which is, I'm surprised at how simple it can be. So I think what's true is that every time I take on a new client, I'm so excited. And there's a part of me similar to like believing that that I'll figure it out. There's a part of me that knows I can help them. But there's a tiny little part of me, right? My my very human brain that says, but what if this is the one person that you don't have the tools to help? What if this is the one person that like you just can't do it? And that's my fear, my human part, right? But more importantly, I want to show up to do the things I can do. And I know I'll figure it out. And I know I'm so dedicated that I will never quit on someone until we've gotten a result. But that said, I'm so surprised at how simple it is, like how simple the tools are. Because sometimes I think my tools are so simple that they can't work for everyone or it can't really be that easy to help and support someone. But things like validating someone, things like setting intentions, things like being curious... It's so surprising to me how everybody knows what they want to do next, even if they're very confused and don't think that they know. It's just, can we peel away enough layers that we get to the truth? And we always do. Sometimes it's more complicated. Some clients take longer to get to that truth. They have a lot that they have to unlearn or a lot that they have to peel back. But I think it's surprising to me that from all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different careers, all different income levels, It comes down to the simple truth of helping someone get grounded in what they do want and then helping them remove barriers both in their mind and in reality that that are standing in the way of what they want. But I'm just always surprised at how the simple tools or the simple truths just sort of work every time, even though sometimes the problems might feel complicated on the surface.
0: I really love that because I think that sometimes we overcomplicate things, we get in our own way. But most importantly, I don't necessarily think it's the tools, though I think you have some good ones. I think it's your ability to help people parse out and give words to what they're trying to say, what they're feeling but don't know how to put words to and don't know how to put action to, and validating their thoughts and helping them get clarity. I think that's really the gift that you're bringing to the table when you work with someone. I'm a huge fan of the work you're doing and the messages that you bring to the folks that you work with or even just the folks that are fortunate enough to be following you. Thank you for coming and talking with me again today. We will put all your links out there. Guys, go by taking a career break for dummies and check out the work that went into that book and How simple it can be, right? I think you simplify the process for folks so they can take a look at some of the steps that they might want to think through if they're thinking about taking a break. If they want to work with you one on one, of course they can do that as well. I won't put your links out there, but I would think getting the book would be a good way to kind of get a look at that as well.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for saying that, Marianne. And yes, get the book. And the book starts with how to decide if a break is right for you and what break would you even want or need. So it's meant to go. Literally from A to Z. So, even if you're not ready to plan a break, this book will start and meet you where you're at. If you are ready to plan a break, of course, that's in there. The break blueprint fundamentals are in there. And then, if you are returning from a break, how do you talk about it on LinkedIn? How do you frame it to potential employers? Like all of that stuff is in there. I really tried to make it exhaustive in the sense that wherever you are on the journey, you can find support and understanding and strategy for your next
0: step in the process. Love it. Love it. Love it. Keep up the good work. Love watching your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Message in the Middle with Marianne. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to share it and write a review as it helps bring new listeners to our audience. If you'd like to keep the conversation going between episodes, please join us at Facebook group Message in the Middle with Marianne.